I want to let you know that uh, everyone that was in that video, uh, they're real people. It's not Hollywood folks. You saw them come up on the stage. The first lady that you saw with her son, that's Ada. Ada found herself in a very, very devastating season, loneliness, rejection, pain, and found herself to be a single mom. And then you found Lindy and Dusty, the couple medication in front of them. They are absolutely warriors for Jesus Christ, and yet they still have been faced with storms, and yet they know who to turn to, and he has been their strength, and he's never left them. He's there with them even now. And then you have the last person. His name is Logan. Logan is very special to this day because three years ago, Logan came to a gathering just like this on Easter and raised his hand and received Jesus Christ. He came in as an addict, heroin, meth. I talked to him before or after the service, the last service between services, and he told me, he says, Jay, I woke up nine years. Joe, you ever had the flu, wake up kind of sweaty and achy? And he says, time that by a thousand. I woke up like that nine years every day in a row. He came in here, received Jesus Christ. All of those folks have something in common, and his name is Jesus. This Jesus, this Jesus that helps Ada along the way, this Jesus who supports Lindy and Dusty, this Jesus that busted Logan free is here right now, this very moment. The Bible says, where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in our midst. He is here and he's mighty to save. He knows you by name and he wants to touch your life even this very moment. Resurrection Sunday. To me, what does that really, really mean? What, what is the main focus of Resurrection Sunday? We know it's about Jesus, but I want to also share this with you, is that I think it's about relationship and love. The God of the universe, your maker and creator, desires to have a relationship with you, a real relationship with you. Why would he want to do that? Because he loves you. To God, you're the best thing since sliced bread. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He loves you, and no matter where you are today, he has a plan for you. He has a bigger plan for you than you know it. If you are a believer today, he even has much more for you in the future. You know why? Because you're somewhere in the future, and you look much better than you do right. You're somewhere huh, in the future, and you look much better than you do. Come on. You're somewhere in the future, and you look much better than you do right now. He has a beautiful plan for you. We all pursue things in life. If I went around this room, Tell me what you pursue. Maybe it's a career or house or money or job, whatever it is, women, men, relationships. We all pursue things, and God pursues something. He's pursuing something today. You know what God pursues? He pursues you. 
Jesus pursues you today. If you got invited by a friend or a family member and you showed up here and you're like, man, I don't even know what this is all about, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a setup from heaven because God is way bigger than that. He's way bigger than that. He wants your heart. He desires to have your life and to be in relationship with him. At Heart of the City Church, we exist to be a people after God's own heart, and we say four simple ways of doing that. Know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and to make a difference. Why do you say that today, J.O.? Because there is something that tries to hinder all of those things. There is something that tries to hinder a relationship, an intimate relationship with God Almighty. Of course, there is a devil and he hinders, but there's something even more so than the devil that deals, we have to deal with on a daily basis that separates us from an intimate relationship, that separates us from the presence of God. It's a three-letter word, and it's called sin. Will you say that with me today, sin? Thank you. Now, to get everybody on the same playing field, I, I think it's important that we all know that we're sinners. It's not to beat you down. I'm in the same boat. So let me just prove the point just for a moment. How many of you have ever told a little white lie before? If you have, would you raise your right hand? Now, if you don't have your right hand raised, you're already lying in church. <laughs> right? Why do you say that, J.O.? Not to kick in your teeth, but just to say, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. I think it's important that you understand why you and I desperate need, need Jesus. Why we're in desperate need of a Savior. If I was on an airplane and uh, you were there, and I knew something was going to take place on that airplane, and and I handed you a parachute, and I said, you should put this parachute on. You're like, wow, I'm on a 747. It's in great working condition. I'm on my way to Atlanta, Georgia. Why would I put on a parachute? Well, if I tell you that over Nashville, Tennessee, that 747 is going to go down in flames and you should have a parachute on, you probably would say, well, can I have one for my back, my front, and my two legs? You don't mind being uncomfortable in that very moment when you understand why you need a parachute. Well, without Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you what, the eternity doesn't look good. It's important that you understand that everybody in this room needs a Savior. Well, J.O., I'm a really nice guy. Look at me. I'm kind. Look at my smile. I got my Sunday best clothes on today. That's all wonderful and good, but it doesn't deter that you're a sinner and need a savior. Amen? God did something that I want to talk to you about, uh, about that in order to rescue us from crashing and burning. This thing called sin, it all of a sudden started way back when in the Garden of Eden, in a place of paradise. God creates all this beautiful, beautiful paradise for Adam and Eve, trees and fruit and gardens and animals. And I mean, it's beautiful. It took him six days to create this, and on the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve. He was so, I think, excited for Adam and Eve to, to experience this paradise. Now Adam and Eve is walking on earth in paradise, and he says, I, I, I want, here, it's all yours. It's, here, here, it's, you, it's yours. 
Just stay away from the tree in the midst of the garden. I, I don't want you to touch it. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to eat. That's what it is. I don't want you to eat from the tree in the midst of the garden. There's a devil that does what he does. He deceives. He's deceiving some of you even today. He lies. He's lying to some of you today. He puts people in bondage. He's put people in this room in bondage today. I'm believing that that's going to change. But he does what he does. His agenda is very, very simple, but very, very powerful. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He deceived Adam and Eve, and they ate from the tree. And in that very moment, they experienced death. Not physical death, but literally all hell broke loose. And since that very day, every one of us, all of humanity has dealt with this thing called death. Jesus calls death an enemy. Jesus did something beautiful that we celebrate today as a blow towards death. I'm a southern boy from South Carolina, and three guys, come on, three guys went to a funeral. They had the man up front in a box, and the three guys was Johnny, John He. And John Jr., they walk in to the funeral, and they're hearing them talk about this dead guy up in the box. And they said, Johnny, what do you want them to say on the day that you die? What do, what do you want them to say about you? Johnny's like, hey, I want them to say that I'm a family man. How about you, John boy? What do you want them to say about you? He says, man, I want them to say that I'm a civic leader and a servant and a man of God. John Jr., what do you want them to say about you? And John Jr. goes, Bo, Bo, you know what I want them to say about me. Bo, when they look into that box right there, I want them to say, he's moving. <laughs> we all face death. We're all going to be faced with death. In that very moment in Genesis 3, 5, the devil spoke. He was uh, uh, some type of a serpent, but he was intelligent, and he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he got them off track like he does people to this day. He said this in Genesis 3, 5, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. They chose that day to eat, and by eating, they chose knowledge over relationship with God. By eating, they chose disobedience to the Father. By eating, they chose to be their own little God. And I think we all struggle with that today. We want our own way. We want to be our own God. We want to follow our way instead of God's way. And ever since that very moment, Every person that you have ever met and ever seen has been born into sin. We're born into sin, and we choose to sin. Bob Dylan sang a song a long time ago, and it goes like this. I was blinded by the devil, born already room, stone cold dead as I stepped out of the womb. Bob knew about that. He knew about Psalms 51 that talks about we are born into sin, and we choose to sin. And because of that very day, we all deal with this thing called sin and death. And sin 
separates us from an intimate relationship with God. Why? Because God is beautiful, he's perfect, and he is holy. He can't be in the presence of sin. And then there's something that keeps us in that sinful condition. What keeps us in that sinful condition that keeps us from changing this thing called shame. Say that with me, shame. Adam and Eve was in the garden and before they ate from the tree, they were naked and, listen, unashamed. They had no shame. But then something took place. I want to read it because it's, it's powerful, this, this emotion that we all deal with after we sin or live in sin that you may be dealing with right now. It happened to them way back then. Notice that in the scripture, it doesn't say that they dealt with depression or anxiety or fear or, or suicidal. No, it's this devastation emotion called shame. Genesis 3, 7. At that moment, their eyes were open. What moment? When they ate. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Shame caused them to cover up and hide. Nothing's changed. Shame keeps people running from God, hiding from God, and covering up. We don't use fig leaves, but we do use all kinds of other things in this life. Sometimes we hide in our power. We hide and cover up in porn. We hide and cover up in money. Materialism could even be eating. I don't know. The devil will use anything against us. We cover up and we hide from God because of sin. And the devil keeps us in bondage because of shame. What's your cover-up today? Maybe you use atheism. Yeah, I just don't believe. I'm going to tell you right now that's a total cover-up. There's more evidence to believe than not to believe. False education. Believe in a big bang. Come on, man. Believe in evolution. Show me an ape that's changing, that's somehow in the midst of trend. Come on. World religion. I believe in another religion, J.O. Let me just tell you something. All world religions have certain things in common, like there's a God or gods, prayer, meditation, but there is a drastic difference between world religions, all of them together, and Christianity. What is, the, what is the difference? In all world religions, you, man, people are trying to get to God through your goodness, through keeping your rules, by all of your works, by all of your goodness. All world religions, you climb the ladder, and hopefully you're going you're gonna to make it to God. That's not the way it is in Christianity. There was a cross that became a bridge that the Son of God hung on so that God could pursue you, not you pursuing God. God came after you. You, when a person, 
When a person comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not because you're cute. It's not because you're good. It's not because you're per. It's not because you got all the brownies in the row. It's not because you got everything together. It's because of the grace of God. You are only saved by grace. It is a free gift. No man can boast. It's of God and it's not of you. That is a drastic difference between Christianity and world religions. Jesus did not come. Jesus did not come to create another world religion. He came to bring a revolution so that you could have a relationship with the God of the universe, which God has always intended you to have. You are born, you are born to be in relationship with God. If you're missing this, I'm telling you, there is a God void in the heart of every man and woman and child. And if you miss that, you can, I don't care how many video games you play, I don't care how many cars you buy. I don't care how much sex you have. I don't care how much money you make. I'm going to tell you right now, that void will not be, God is a jealous God. He's jealous for you. That void will not be filled with anything else but God Almighty. I guarantee you. Your cover-up may be addiction. Your cover-up may be I'm nice. I'm a good person, Jay. Look at me right now. I'm just so good. I'm sitting all up in church. Got my nice clothes on. I'm good. You know, you know how kind I am, Jay. Look, I'm so nice. I'm so nice. I don't need Jesus. I'm so kind. I'm barely a sinner. <laughs> Can't you tell how nice I am and kind I am and good I am? I got news for you. I don't care how nice, kind, good you are. You may be way nicer than me. I want to be nice. I want to be kind. God's working on me. <laughs> but you need Jesus. Because you told a white lie just like I have. Make sure you're on the same playing field today. Because I believe that God wants to touch your heart in such a beautiful way. All of a sudden, we go through tough times, just like Adam and Eve did, and we're like, where are you, God? Anybody ever done that before? Where are you, God? You know what we should be saying? Where am I? <laughs> where, where am I at? Because God ain't never went nowhere, yo. You're the one hiding. You're the one covering up. Whatever your cover-up may be, whatever you're hiding from, whatever you're battling, because I can tell you right now, there's not a person in this room that's not battling with something. God did something so radical, so awesome, so you don't have to live in sin and shame any longer. He did it, why? Because he loves you. Listen to this, Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love. Will you say that with me, great love? God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not when you had everything to get. You're making six digits. Your, your, your relationships and your marriage is in good shape. Your children, not when you had everything together. No, when you were sideways and jacked up and ninth year of heroin, jacked up on meth, hiding out in porn in your whatever it may be, that's when Jesus died. In your worst, worst of conditions, he died for you because of his great love for you. God stepped out of heaven. 
God stepped out of heaven. God, man, Jesus, 100% God and 100% man. He stepped out of heaven and did only what God could ever do. You mean, I get, let me get this right, J.O., Jesus is God? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, occasionally a good man will die for another good man, but I'm not talking about a good man dying for another good man. I'm talking about Jesus dying for the entire sin of the universe, your worst of worst sins. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 1.23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They shall call him, say it with me. We talk about that at Christmas time. Emmanuel, what's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus is God. It's a beautiful mystery because he's 100% man, but he's 100% God. Jesus, God man, walked on earth 33 and a half years. The first 30 years, he did a lot of man stuff. Did a lot of baby stuff. Mama Mary changed his diapers, fed him, all those things. Joe's teaching carpentry, carpenter, Jewish carpenter, all those things. But at the last three and a half years, he stepped into his ministry, and, and it was very, very, very powerful. And what was amazing, all those years together, 33 and a half years, he never sinned. Now think about that. Can you go 33 and a half minutes without sinning? I'm just being honest. I'm, he goes 33 and a half years. He never sinned. He never dealt with shame. This qualifies him to be God Almighty, and it also qualifies him to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and I, the spotless lamb, sinless, pure, holy. John the Baptist shows up on the scene. He kind of articulates what Jesus is there for. Jesus came for a very specific reason, very intentional. They did not take Jesus' life. Jesus laid his life down. Look what John the Baptist said about Jesus. It says this in John 1, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, 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 here it is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was very intentional what he did. Now, how many of you know that you can do a lot of wonderful things and, and uh, do your very, very best, and that doesn't mean that everyone's going to like you? You ever been faced with that before? You're like, what did I do? Well, Jesus, it was that way. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and God was with him. Jesus did amazing things. The leper comes to him and says, hey, will you heal me? And he touches the leper, just, I am willing. Withered hand, raised people from the dead. One time he fed 5,000 people miraculously. Another time he fed 4,000 people miraculously. He poured his life into 12 disciples. And don't think these were just like beautiful little cool dudes. Man, these were like the dirty dozen, man. Fisherman, outdoor tax collector. He 
poured his life into them so this message could continue. You're here today because decade after decade, millennium after millennium, this message has continued to go out through the entire world. It's the greatest message of all time. That's why it's called the good news. Yet, though he did all these wonderful things, there was that people that did not like him, very uncomfortable with him. The religious folks wasn't down with him. He had enemies. After 33 and a half years, even one of his followers, Judas, betrayed him. You've heard of it before. He's a Judas. But he betrays Jesus, God, God, man, for 30 pieces of silver. Come on, somebody. I looked that up. What does that kind of average out to today? 450 bucks that you're going to, you're going to, the God of the universe? And then you have this number one disciple named Peter. Peter was number one. He, he was the right-hand man of Jesus. Why? Anytime you look at the list of the, the apostles, Jesus, he's always written number one. So this number one disciple all of a sudden gets called on the carpet. Hey, I, I, didn't I see you with him? Didn't, you? He's like, cock a cock a Nope, don't know the dude. <laughs> don't know the guy. I mean, we're not talking about... We're not talking about him being faced off with this big, giant, muscular, you know, stud of a guy. No, this is like a junior higher weenie roast girl. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, they're by a fire, and a little junior high servant girl is, calls him on the carpet. She, he's like, no, no, I don't know. I mean, he starts cursing, and it's like, I mean, this is what Jesus is faced with. And now, through a series of events... Jesus is now turned over. Jesus is brought before a Pontius Pilate. He's ridiculed. He's mocked. He's falsely accused. You ever been falsely accused? It's terrible. I mean, one thing after another, Jesus is faced with, he's captured, mocked, now he's beat and flogged, all because of you. And listen to what uh, Isaiah 53 says. Uh, it's going to be up there. I want you to read it because I want you to read it as if it's for you because you know what? It is for you. Look at this as I go through it, Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. He tur we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Everything that Jesus went through was for you and I. Then he was nailed on a cross. The cross is like today would be like the electric chair or like lethal injection. It gets a lot of glory, but it was a very, very, very bad, terrible way of dying between two criminals. This, the cross is like the central theme to the entire Bible. Paul spoke a lot about the cross. The, the cross, he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
We see the cross in Abraham's life where he takes his son, his one and only son, up up on the mountain, Isaac, and God provides, Jehovah Jireh provides a ram for Isaac. Then we see the cross in Joseph's life for over 17 years, everything that Joseph went through to fulfill the dream that God put it in his heart. We see the cross as the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea and, 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 and the, 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 the lamb's blood that was put over the, the door and everything that they were challenged with all because of, by the way, blood. Anytime there's sin, there must be bloodshed. Even with Adam and Eve, they put on olive leaves, but you know what? You know, I mean, fig leaves, but you know what God did? God killed the first animal and covered him with skins, that blood, bloodshed. And through the entire Mosaic law, because of sin of man, even the sin of priests, there was blood constantly shed through the sacrifices of animals. Why? To cover our sins. But at the end of the day, this is animal blood, temporary. You know what God does? He sheds God blood. No more temporary. His blood. Because of the cross, I'm victorious. Because of the cross, I can come into, into the presence of God. Because of the cross, I have favor. Because of the cross, I have eternal life. Because of the cross, because it's all because of the cross. Been redeemed. And now, after the beating and the cross, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's bleeding has a thorn of crown of thorns on his head you know how head injury is very very bloody he's bleeding from his head why for every wrong thought that you've ever had for every stronghold in your mind for every perversion that you've dealt with he shed it from his head And then he bled from his hands. Why? For every place your hands have been where they shouldn't have went. Nailed in his feet. Why? Every place our feet's taken us. We should have never even been there. And then he was striped on his back for every backstabbing thing that you've done or someone's done towards you. And by his stripes, I am healed. He was beating his face. He bled from his mouth. Why? Every wrong word you've spoken. Uh, uh, he, he had water and blood that flowed out of his side, representing redemption and life. All these areas lay. It wasn't for show. It wasn't for a movie. It was for you, yo. You. Jesus dies and darkness now covers the land. It says this in Matthew 27, 51 through 52. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two. Listen, from top to bottom. You know why? Because God tore it. Why the veil? The veil is what separated us from the presence of God. Now we can come boldly before the throne of God, the throne of grace. And the earth quaked and the earth, the rocks were split and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints were, who had fallen asleep had Raised, it is finished. He said, he gave up his spirit. He's in a tomb. Darkness is there. I'm sure the disciples are completely disillusioned. Ah, We walked with this, we talked with him for three and a half years. 
He was our rabbi, our Messiah. And look, he's gone. I mean, what's going on? I mean, can you imagine the, the disillusionment, the disappointment the disciples are, are dealing with in their life? And, and the devil's probably saying, hey, got a great victory today. But let me tell you something about the devil. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-present. He's not all-powerful, but God is. The devil didn't know what was going to happen on Sunday. We represent, that's what today represents. He didn't know Sunday was coming. He didn't know what was, was going to happen in the morning on Sunday. More, why do we gather as Christians on Sunday? Because of this very reason. And then look what takes place, Matthew 28, 1 through 6. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and the clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him. They became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. How many of you have ever heard of the Rolling Stones before? You heard from the Rolling, if you ever heard of the Rolling Stones, raise your hand. Those brothers are old, aren't they? Well, there's one way older than them. He's the ancient of age. And I want to let you know, he was rolling stones way before the rolling stones. And he wants to roll stones today out of your life. He doesn't want anybody in this room to stay stuck in a grave or end up in hell. Come on, he wants to roll your stone today. Ada, what a testimony. God restores lives. Maybe you've been through storms and you're like, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, every place that the devil has stolen from you, God can restore. He's still 50. God will restore a hundredfold to your life. And then Dusty and Lindy and all the storms that they've been through. But you know what? They stand rock solid because they know that God is never, ever going to leave them. And then you got Logan three years ago. Man, this guy passed out about a thousand door hangers, door to door, a thousand houses. Orchestrated 3,250 door hangers to be hung. Why would he ever do that? Is it because of works? No, it's because of love. He wants you to experience what he experienced. There's no need for you to walk in bondage any longer. There's something beautiful about this Jesus compared to all the other ones you've heard. Because if you look for Buddha's remains, guess what? You can find Buddha's remains. You, all you got to do is go to India. There's Buddha's remains. Uh, Muhammad. You, want, you can find Muhammad's remains. Saudi Arabia. How about Confucius? Oh, catch a, fl- catch a flight to China. You can find his remains there. How about Jesus' remains? How about, how about Jesus' remains? 
you can't find them because there ain't none. You know why? Because there ain't no grave. There ain't no grave. There ain't no grave that's going to hold his body down. It didn't then and it won't now. I want to close with three verses that can eternally change your life today. Just three verses. I want you to listen to them. Verse number one, Romans 10, 9. Listen real close. If you've never received Christ or you've walked away from him, and everybody do me a great favor if you wouldn't move around this moment because it's very important. If you openly declare Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Promise number one. Promise number two. Jesus told her, Lazarus' sister, Lazarus was dead. He told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Verse 3, relationship. Listen to this. John 11, 20, I'm sorry, John 1, 2. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them right to become children of God. There's one word that's throughout that entire, all three of those scriptures, believe, believe, and believed. God did not make you machinery. He didn't make you a robot. He puts a choice in your hand today. Will you believe? Will you believe today? Is it that simple? It's that simple. A person believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth. They turn from sin. They surrender to God. You will be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. Eternal life in heaven. But it's not just about heaven, even though it is. It's, it's, how, how, many, how many of you know eternity is a long time? It's about heaven, but it's also about earth. He wants to give you life and life abundant here on earth. There is no way that you will have an abundant life without walking in relationship with your creator. You'll never really know why you suck air on earth without being in relationship with God. You'll never really know what your destiny is ultimately without knowing the Father. And I want to pray with you right now to receive Jesus to your heart, to your life eternal life you can walk with him your sins can be forgiven and you can have a relationship the thing that you've been missing in your life can now take place where your life will be forever changed for eternity would you pray with me right now if you're a believer I want you to pray out loud with me too I think it encourages those around if you're a daddy do you care about your kids? I'm telling you, when daddies get saved, it highly impacts the family. If you're a mama, single mom, single dad, would you make a, 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 a bold declaration today and surrender your life that's going to impact generations to come? Will you surrender your life today? If you've walked away from Jesus, today is your day to get right with him. We're going to all bow our hearts. And we're going to bow our heads. And we're going to pray.
if you want to receive him, I pray that you would pray this prayer of faith right now. If you're 12, 22, 82, 102, or 2, pray with me right now. Say this with me. Jesus, come on, pray it out, church. Jesus, I need you today. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry about them. I turn to you today, Jesus. I say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I'm no longer ashamed of that. I give you the reins of my life. Today, Jesus, I want to thank you by faith for receiving me, forgiving me, loving me, and accepting me. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. 